Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. For more information about our faith community, feel free to visit gatewaychurch.org.nz. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this message. On the last Sunday of Alert Level 2, before we had the sort of surprise announcement on the Monday that we were going to go to Level 1, we began a short series around the idea of reframing, reconfiguring the way that we think or allow ourselves to think, allowing God to help us to think differently where and when necessary. When a huge, often life-changing event such as COVID-19 takes place, the consequences are many. Apart from the economic and social changes that occur, such events can cause trauma, stress, grief, anger, and much more. Also, a common thread has been that through such things like this, through life-changing events, many people have to confront some raw emotions such as fear, anger, forgiveness or the lack of it, regret and rejection, issues that are common to followers of Christ and those who don't follow him. John Lennox, a couple of weeks ago, I said John Lennox, one of the world's leading mathematicians and a Christian apologist from Northern Ireland, says in response to being asked about COVID-19, says that many people are going to suffer a raft of emotions that they won't know how to cope with. He goes on to say that people will even experience delayed grief or delayed anxiety to such events. So a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the subject of regret and how we can let this shape our lives to our detriment, that regret can be something that really brings us down. Or we can reframe the way we think and move through and beyond regret to a place of resolution and a place of life. And today we're going to look at fear and the need perhaps for some of us to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to be moved beyond a place of fear to a place of peace. So I'm going to read the first reading this evening, and it's from John chapter 10, verses 7 to 10, and it says this. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, or as some versions say, and have it to the full. Today we look at the issue of fear, and for many, fear is a very real issue. To a certain degree, fright is rooted in all of us, and at one level, it is incredibly good, needed, and necessary. It keeps us out of danger. It helps keep us alive. It keeps us away from the fire. But for some of us, fear has got out of control. It is no longer healthy, and it is life and mind controlling, and that it is extremely damaging. Fear for some was a very real experience over the lockdown period and the different alert levels. And for some, perhaps it even continues to be so. The wrong fear, as we know, robs us of opportunities, that we are too fearful to do something, to take a risk or to go for that opportunity. Fear interferes with our relationship. It impacts how we parent. It impacts our marriages. It impacts our relationships. For some, 
It even keeps us up at night. For some, everything in life goes through this grid of fear and has robbed many of us of any kind of peace and is threatening even one's sanity. When we project our future, what is the fear that we fear the most? Is it a job loss, a certain diagnosis, or the death, death of a loved one? Can I ask you, can I be so bold to ask you, if you struggle with fear tonight, what is it that you are afraid of or fearful of? More often than not, there is no rationale or logic why we feel the way that we do. And we will come in a few moments and see the source of fear and see why there is no rationale behind it. And often when we dare to verbalize how we feel or our fears, they sound so ridiculous that we are even too nervous to run the risk of telling anybody about them. But nevertheless, they can be so real. But then there are other things that we find even harder to talk about. Saying goodbye, loss of the, or the fear of losing a loved one, being alone, or even dying. The Greek word for fear is the same word as the English word phobia comes from, and it means to take flight. We are afraid of the thing that we run away from the quickest. When I hear people, I, I often hear this in, uh, in a pastoral situation, people say, oh, Chris, don't go there. Don't go there. Immediately, I believe that it is an invitation for the Holy Spirit to go there. That is where he wants to go. It's like you're saying, don't go there, but to him, it's a calling card. But so often when we become fearful around a situation, we try to control everything in that arena so nothing can get to us, and we end up through fear controlling everything around that situation so that no one can get near us in that given matter. And the Holy Spirit says, you know, son, you know, daughter, I want to go there because I want to bring life. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Grief Observed, writing about the death of his wife, says this, I never knew no one ever told me that grief could feel so like fear. I quote this because when fear rises in our heart and starts to play on our minds, it is a very real, horrible, shocking feeling that we would do anything nearly to be free from. But the lie of the enemy at that moment is that we will never be free from it, and this is something that we have to live with. But it is a lie, and it is from the enemy. We feel as if we are losing control. We feel as if we are drowning. We are grabbing at things, but they keep on falling away, and nothing is steadfast and strong enough to keep us up. I believe that the Bible teaches and promises us that it is possible as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, to know a way through fear. It promises a way that is better than we think we have to live with. Hebrews 2 verse 14 tells us that Jesus has freed us from the greatest fear we will ever face, and then we can work back from those. 2.14 says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, and that is the devil. The resurrection reminds us that he has defeated death itself, and today I believe he would say to each and every one of us, let's talk about those areas 
Let's talk about those things that don't give us peace. Let's talk about those things that stop, start to entrap us. One thing is certain, fear will not be broken by ignoring it, pretending it doesn't exist, or running away from it. In fact, here, fear will hide itself for periods of time and then suddenly rise up when we least expect it the most. Fear that really grips our life can do this. Nelson Mandela, with a very famous quote from his book, Long Walk to Freedom, says, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. And the challenge for us is to admit it and to be brave and honest and say that we need to do something about it. The Bible acknowledges that fear is part of the human condition. And as I referenced earlier, and when used correctly, it is a gift from God. But it is what we fear will determine whether we feel a good, it is a good thing or a bad thing. How we handle this experience, how we handle the emotion when it comes our way, will determine one of two things. Either it'll drive us into a corner and we don't want to talk about it, or it'll drive us to God in desperation and to cry out for him, to him for help, for help. Rick Warren, familiar face, it's not a great smile. Rick Warren, the, the pastor of Saddleback Church in California, writes a lot about fear and overcoming it. What many people don't know about Rick is that he is allergic to his own adrenaline. He is allergic to his own adrenaline. So about five or six minutes into preaching, he can't remember what he is saying. Some of you would say, Chris, you're not addicted to your adrenaline. You still forget what you said five or six minutes in. But he cannot remember what he has said. And he, and he just forgets everything that has gone before. So when he preaches, he always has someone sitting in the wings, ready to come on at any stage, pick up his notes, and continue his sermon. To this very day, he still does that. When he started the church saddleback in the 80s, he said to God, I can cope with preaching on a weekend, but please, never allow me to preach twice. Such was his fear of speaking. As the church grew and before they expanded to 13 campuses across California, Rick Warren would regularly preach 15 to 16 times over a weekend. He had to acknowledge and face and overcome his fear. He had to face it and walk through it. So our first takeaway as we look at this subject is that I cannot promise myself, nor can I promise you, that you are never going to fear anything because I don't think the Bible actually promises that. But I can promise us this, that God is not going to allow us to stay and live in the fear because, in fear because the Bible does teach us that there is a way of overcoming it and he will take us through if we are open to walking his pathway. That we, he wants to help us live differently and will give us a perspective on life that is better than, and healthier than ruled by fear. He wants to reframe us in this whole area of being set free from fear. What I cannot tell you is that whatever the fear that has risen in your heart, what that is, because we all have different fears and different things. Let me ask a question. What is the thing in your life that you could not live 
without. If that thing was to happen, what would be that thing that you could not live without? Some say, I couldn't go on if my husband or my wife died, or my child died, or if I lost my business. If there was anything or anyone in my life that I I just thought I, I would never have for the rest of my days, I just could not imagine what it would be like. Friends, those are sort of the areas that sometimes Satan will want to come in and he will want to exploit and take advantage of. Please, I am not saying that the loss of any of those people in those situations is less than tragic and devastating and so, so sad. But when Satan comes and plays with our mind and messes with our mind that what would like be life without them, that we can't imagine it and we can't go there, then that is something that I believe God through the Holy Spirit wants to bring an adjustment and a change to. That we don't live within the sense of the fear of something that could happen and I couldn't manage without them. Satan's strategy is to mess with our mind. In his first presidential inauguration, Franklin D. Roosevelt said that the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. Where does this negative concept come from? The first reading gave us partly the answer. Our second reading will give us further answer. It's in Genesis chapter three. And it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and therefore I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? You know, Genesis, uh, Psalms 111 and Psalm 112 tell us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that there is good fear as we saw earlier that will set us free, that fear of the Lord in putting him first. That's seeking first the kingdom of God, choosing not to do certain things because it would offend him, it would upset him. Choosing to choose a lifestyle that is one that God has delight in and that we are fearful in that sense of an almighty God who is all powerful and who is all holy. That there is a healthy fear, 
a deep sense of awe and respect of who he is that helps us navigate life. However, some of our fears, as we have just read, point to a source of fear that is Satan himself. He will kill, he will steal, he will destroy everything that he can about our lives. He will whisper into our ears the same thing that he whispered to Adam and Eve. Did God say? Can God be trusted? Can he be trusted in the small things of life? Can he be trusted with the circumstances of our situation? Can we really trust him with our family? Can we trust him with our future, with our finances? Can we trust him with our heartaches and our heartbreaks? Can we trust him? It's that same lie of the enemy that starts to cause an anxiety that leads to a fear that can we really trust God? The sense of not being able to trust God gives birth to the deepest fears in many lives. It leads to us ignoring his voice, Adam and Eve, not listening to what he is saying and has said in his word, and then setting our own priorities on how we think, how we speak, and how we react. And we get caught up in blame and shame and failure, worrying and concerned about the things that are going on in our life, not really trusting his word or what he says in his word. And these are rooted in the lies of the enemy. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let's now listen to what another old man says here. One John says these words, God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. But this is love perfected with us so that we have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. This saint of God, John, coming to the end of his lifetime, talking about all that he had been through, says that perfect love just casts out fear. The way out of fear that wishes to cripple us is seldom a one-off experience, but it requires us to have and to maintain a deep and developing personal walk of intimacy with God through Jesus Christ that helps us understand who he is, that we are loved, that he will never leave us, and that this book is absolutely true, that this book is true, more true than the lies that we hear in our ears to grow in the security that we are loved and accepted for whom we are, and that he will finish the work that he began in us. But fear tells us a different story. You know, John Lennon, I just thinking about this this afternoon, I better say who John Lennon is. John Lennon was one of the Beatles. <laughs> I'm not feeling really old, but John Lennon was one of the Beatles, and three years before he died, in an interview with a New York magazine says this, Fear grips the human heart until we learn that we can be free by understanding that we are loved. He went on to say, the stronger the love of the person who loves us, 
the greater the freedom from fear we experience. That is incredibly profound. Incredibly profound. What stronger love could there be for us than that of Almighty God, the creator of the universe, who is committed to us, his people, and he promises to never leave us. I just want us to read a familiar story from Mark's Gospel, verses 35 to 41, and it gives us a little bit of a template on how to react in situations where fear will drive us. And it's a very familiar story, and there's a lot of takeaway from this, and we will just be touching upon it lightly this evening. Mark 4, verses 35 to 41 says this. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Jesus speaking to his disciples, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was asleep, but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? This is a remarkable story and helps us address the issues of fear and what is going on in our life. This story is a good grid. It is a good matrix for life. We're going to move pretty quickly through this, and I'd encourage you to read it sometime. First of all, in verse 35, it says, Jesus tells them to cross the sea. They were doing what was right. They were doing what they were told, and we'll come back to that in a moment. However, the flip side is also important to see here. Sometimes our fear, sometimes we experience fear because we are not doing what is right. We are not believing what is right. We are not rehearsing what is good and healthy in our mind and in our language. Can I ask a question? Are you doing something? Am I doing something that opens a door that the enemy can exploit in regards to fear? There is a thin line, there's a thin connection between being convicted and being fearful of being caught out. It is always good to deal with conviction quickly. Important to know the difference. But here the disciples were told by Jesus to get in the boat and they were doing what they should be doing. Just as I said, we'll see in a moment. But very often we gotta start with, what have I done, what am I doing? Is this something that I should deal with? because it's getting out of hand mentally and emotionally, and it's causing anxiety to rise and opening a door for the enemy to get in. Verses 36 and 37 says, they were hit by a storm. As we said, the disciples were doing what they were told and they were doing what God wanted them to do, but they were facing challenge and uncertainty. So if it's true to say that we give access to fear by doing things that are not right, and not repenting of them, there are those times when we are absolutely in the will of God and we get hit by a storm. 
And the question is that we have to distinguish between the two. The famous theologian Frederick Buchner in his book Beyond Words says, here in the world, beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. The reality for all of us, regardless of age, is if we are going about our daily duties with absolutely nothing wrong, we will still find ourselves being attacked and assailed by fear, even when there is no reason behind it. Why? Because a storm has hit the side of your life. Something has happened. The enemy has been able to just have access to your life and will just do it because he can and because he wants to. Storms happen to good people. Storms hit us. But it's what we do in the midst of the storm will dictate what happens next. Our response is the crucial thing in this given situation. One will drive us closer to Christ, the other will give an access point for the enemy to come in and exploit and try and bring fear. Important to ask the question, where do we perceive Jesus to be in the darkest moments of our life? If you go to work tomorrow or you go back to uni and you say if something hits the side of your boat, what is our first response? We know where Jesus was in this story because we've read it so many times. He was asleep on the boat. See, the disciples obeyed, but they allowed the circumstances of their situation and I'm sure the lies of the enemy to overwhelm them and they forgot his words that he had said to them, go across. They had forgotten that he was with them. Instead of trusting what he had said, they, they would, I'm sure, ask the question, Jesus, where are you? Why are you sleeping? Don't you care? Aren't we important? This doesn't happen to other people. He is sleeping. How can he know what is going on here? He doesn't care. You know, it's an interesting truth to note that if you look at the most stories in the New Testament where the questioning of Jesus arises, it it revolves around the very same question. Jesus, where are you? I'd like, we won't take any straw poll, but so often that is our response as followers of Christ when we find ourselves in difficult situations. Christ, Jesus, where are you? Have you forgotten me? You know, when it comes to Mary and Martha, Jesus, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Where were you? Don't you care? I thought you loved us. Thomas, I'm not gonna believe him. I can't see him. I haven't seen him. You say you've seen him. You say he was good. You say he was wonderful. Nah, not good enough for me. He is not here. Where is he? Why should I? Lest I can put my hands in his wounds, in his wounds I am not going to believe. Every time fear rises in people in the New Testament is because they question where God is and is he really committed to him. They wonder if he is really there and they go from a sense of his presence and they embrace a concern and a sense of feared absence of God with us. Verses 37 and 38 clearly tell us that he was still there. He hadn't gone anywhere. And this is so important for us today. The event that you fear is rooted in this lie. God isn't 
here. Otherwise, he would do something about it. Otherwise, he would have answered my prayers. He's not here. I can't see him. You know something? I don't even know if he can be really bothered. None of it's true. It's all a lie. It's where fear comes from. He is forever with us. Because you are a Christian, he is always there. He will always be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Reality or theory? And I know we go through the difficult times, but sometimes it's just we've got to believe him. Doesn't mean you will always fear him, but nevertheless, doesn't mean you will always feel him with you, but nevertheless, he is. I read this great little story recently. The hymn writer and theologian Timothy Graham, Timothy George, I should say, wrote this fairly recently. He said these words, when I was a student at Harvard Divinity School, I learned preaching from the great Dr. Gardner Taylor, a pastor in New York City. He said, I will never forget his lectures. He once told us the story of when he was preaching in Louisiana during the Great Depression, the late 20s, 1920s and early 1930s. He says, electricity was just coming into that part of the country and he was out in a rural black church that had just one light bulb hanging from the ceiling. He said he was preaching away, and in the middle of the message, all of a sudden, the electricity went off. The building was pitch black, and Dr. Taylor acknowledged that he was a young pastor, and he did not know what to say, for he was just young and naive and starting off. He said, I stumbled around until one of the elders sitting at the back of the church cried out, preach on, son, for we can see Jesus in the dark. Sometimes this is the only time when we can really see him, and that is in the dark. The good news of the gospel, whether we can see him in the dark or not, is that he sees us in the darkest moments of our life. And he is there. He knows what we are facing. These disciples' fears were rooted in questioning God's purpose for their lives and wondering whether he really cared. So often, it's the same for you and I, that we give access to the lies of the enemy, that we really, really wonder, is God with us? Then verses 38 and 39 says, Teacher, do, not, do you not care that we are perishing? How many times have we said this to God? I have to confess, I've said this to God a few times. God, don't you really care? Because if you really did care, you'd do something about it. You'd show up at least, or you'd give me a word. I think every time I say that, he just decides to go even more quiet. And I still haven't learned the lesson. Then he gets up, and he awoke, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? We're not gonna go there tonight because time is going, but there is another great passage. There's another great sea voyage in Acts 27, verses 13 to 44. If you have time in this week, go home and read it. It is one of the most exciting and challenging passages to do with fear and the overcoming of fear that you will ever come across in New Testament. That God speaks a word of life to a group of soldiers, that they, a group of sailors, that they're not gonna die and they hold on to his word, and they stick with it, and they are all saved. Please, would really encourage you to read that. Rosa Parks, 
is one of the most famous names in the world. She was one of the leaders of the civil rights movements in the United States back in the 50s and 60s. Quite a poignant reference for this time. If you know nothing about Rosa Parks, can I encourage you to go Google search her, find out something about her, and read her biography. She, in 1955, she refused to give up her seat on a bus to a white man for which she was arrested. She wrote a book called Quiet Strength, and this is what she said. When I sat down on that bus that day, I had no idea that history was being made. I was only thinking of getting home. But I had made up my mind that after so many years of being a victim of the treatment that my people had suffered, of being afraid, not giving up my seat, and whatever I had to face afterwards was not important. I did not feel any fear sitting there. I felt that the Lord would give me the strength to endure what I had to face. I love this next line. It was time for someone to stand up, or in my case, sit down. So I refused, and then she was arrested. In an interview about this historic day years later, she corrected some misconceptions about what had happened. She said, people always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired. That wasn't true. I wasn't physically tired or no more tired than I usually was at the end of a working day. I wasn't old, although some have, tried, have, have an image of me being old then. I was only 42. No, the only tired I was was tired of giving in to fear. It's a lady really, really worth reading about. <coughs> we have to decide whether we want to give in to fear and allow it to try to control our lives and ultimately destroy us. But you know, we have to choose to come clean before God and allow him to do whatever he wants in our life to root out those things that cause us concern. You know, this will not happen in our own strength. It will, though, if we stand with him on his word and we get people around us. The only way to stand up to fear is to invite the Holy Spirit to reframe our lives through his power like only he can. To stand in the truth that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will finish what I have started. Actually, the biggest challenge to us as followers is often the most simple at the same time. It is to remember that he will never leave us. It's as simple as that. What he says he is going to do, he will do irrespective of whatever we think. A friend of mine wrote these words, and I think they are so profound. He says about God, he is strong enough to make a difference. He is close enough to know. He is loving enough to care, and he is faithful enough to carry us through the storm. Say that again. He is close enough to make a difference. He is close enough to know. He is loving enough to care, and he is faithful enough to carry us through the storms. Jeff, musicians, will you come and join me, please? <coughs> so what is it perhaps we are afraid of or slightly fearful of? What is it that we need to be set free from or get prayer from? What does he need to reframe? You know, Paul was able to get to the place that he was able to say in Romans that nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
And there was a sense that there was no fear that could come between him. Nothing was going to separate him from the incredible love that his God had for him. I believe that God wants the strongest voice in our head not to be what other people think of us, or that irrational fear, or the voice of what will my mum or my dad or my husband or my wife or my best friend say, or even what the pastor will say. I want the, the loudest voice to be, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Now let's talk. Can I encourage you tonight, as we bring this to a conclusion, if there's areas in your life that you know are fearful, you will not need me to talk to you about them. In that sense, you'll know, as we have spoken, the Holy Spirit will have stirred some stuff in your life. Can I encourage you to get help? Come, maybe start to get some prayer tonight, but determine in your heart that you will overcome the lies of the enemy that make you fearful around certain things and certain people in your life that you have lost your peace about. That irrational fear that says, this could happen. What if that happened that robs us of something of the majesty and the awesomeness of God's love and his commitment to us? Thanks for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. Again, check out gatewaychurch.org.nz to find out what's going on within our church.